Today on CityCast Pittsburgh, Election Day is almost here. Everyone take a deep breath with me. Our statewide races are getting lots of national attention. We are a battleground state after all, and we've got some very big personalities in the ring. But the CityCast team wants to help you make sense of some local elections. It's Monday, November 7th. I'm Morgan Moody, and this is CityCast Pittsburgh. I'm here with producers Mallory Falk. Hello. 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 And Elizabeth Kama. Hi. Uh, the U.S. Senate race between Oz and Fetterman kind of feels like that. I don't know if you guys ever saw that clay animation show that used to be on MTV, Celebrity Deathmatch. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> the, the two, like, most unlikeliest celebrities would face off. Um, but we've got some other races locally that aren't getting maybe as much attention. Right, Mallory? Yeah, I wanted to run through a few of them. Um, and I also, before I do that, really want to shout out Pittsburgh City Papers Election Guide. That's been so helpful for reading up on these races. Um, and they also get into like a ton more. So definitely check them out. We'll link in our show notes. Um, but there is a special election for a city council seat uh, in District 5. Um, that district spans like a whole bunch of neighborhoods, Greenfield, Hazelwood, Regent Square, Swissom Park, Glen Hazel, New Homestead, Lincoln Place, parts of Squirrel Hill, lots That's of neighborhoods in vast, there. Vast, vast um, area. <laughs> yeah, vast, vast area. Um, and it had been Corey O'Connor's seat, but he mm. left this summer after he got appointed county controller. So it's up for grabs now. So who's on the ballot for this, you know, vast territory? <laughs> yeah, so there are four candidates running for the seat, and probably the one with the best odds is Democrat Barbara Warwick. Uh, she's a community organizer in Greenfields, and like sh- she's really concerned with sort of protecting the interests of residents of neighborhoods that are gentrifying, like Greenfield and Hazelwood, mm. um, against outside developers and corporations. And she's working on things like expanding after-school programs in Glen Hazel and raising funds for a playground at Greenfield School. A playground seems to have a pretty universal appeal. Uh, who else is running? Yes, we've also got Eugene Boker, a Republican. He was the chief financial officer for Catholic Charities for decades. He's retired now. Um, and he says he wants to bring a different perspective to city council meetings, you know, city councils led by Democrats. Um, he says he wants to boost transparency on council, and he's opposed to things like the city's park tax and its move to impose um, some gun restrictions within city limits. So he he said to WESA um, that Pittsburgh City Council is trying to do a runaround on state law and take away our Second Amendment rights. So I think that quote kind of gives you a sense where he's coming from. I feel like as much gun violence as we've had in the city, there's enough guns here. Yeah. Uh, there's also a couple independent candidates on the ballot. Um, one is Matthew Mahoney. He's director of government affairs for Sustainable Pittsburgh and the Pennsylvania Solar Center. He's also an army vet. Um, and he's kind of positioning himself as a moderate, someone who can connect with people across the political spectrum. Um, he wants to work toward creating more affordable housing and more accessible public transportation. And then the fourth candidate to keep things interesting, um, he's also independent. His name is Robert McCune. Um, he doesn't seem to have any visible platform and he's denied media requests. So it's kind of unclear what his deal is. A man of mystery. A man of mystery. <laughs> I mean, yeah, maybe, you know, that that has some appeal. Mm-hmm. 
I think we are. I think we're all a little overexposed. Maybe this is probably <laughs> the best candidate. What he's got going for him is we have not heard a single campaign <laughs> ad <laughs> driving us uh, to the edge of sanity. Um, yeah. So. Uh, I don't know. This detail I liked, I saw, I guess, that when candidates filed their campaign finance reports a few weeks ago, he reported having zero dollars in his campaign account. Um, He's just like me. Yeah. Relatable, right? Right. (laughs) A relatable candidate. (laughs) I think it's uh, safe to say it would be a huge upset if he were the next city council member. That race might not be that tight, um, but there are some other, like, nail biters in, in this election. Yeah, I think there are a couple that are worth mentioning, House Districts 12 and 17, um, both because they have like the largest electorates around here after the statewide races um, and because, like you mentioned, they might be close. Mm -hmm. So, Elizabeth, I know that you looked a little bit into District 17. Yeah, I mean, that's the race to replace Democrat Connor Lamb, who you may remember forfeited his bid for re-election when he ran the primaries for U.S. Senator. Obviously, he lost out to John Fetterman. Um, yeah. I feel like we can't, mm-hmm. you can't avoid the fact of our Senate race. But now uh, Democrat Chris Deluzio and Republican Jeremy Schaefer are competing for his seat. We, we had all that redistricting. Um, yes. You know, they did, <laughs> the maps, the maps, the maps. Uh, so what district is this, District 17? Yeah, actually, Connor Lamb was originally in my district and then he got moved out. But um, District 17 <laughs> includes all of Beaver County and some Pittsburgh suburbs. So it's a pretty standard race uh, between a Democrat and a Republican whose positions are kind of what you'd expect. So it's not mm-hmm. like too, um, yeah, it's not too unexpected or too crazy. No men of mystery. No men of, oh, sad. So who are these guys? Yeah, so Deluzio, the Democrat, works on cybersecurity and election issues at Pitt. He's the policy director of Pitt Cyber. He's very pro-union and was a big part of the effort to unionize the Pitt faculty. He's also an army vet. Um, And then Jeremy Schaefer, the Republican, is a business owner. He used to be the president of Ross Township's Board of Commissioners. He's running as a pro-business conservative. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like I've just seen like tons of ads for this race. Like every time I watch something on YouTube, if it's not an ad for Fetterman (laughs) or Oz, it's for one of these guys. Like I I seem to get bombarded by by this race more than others. I haven't seen too many ads, but I've gotten a text. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what's interesting is even though this is like a really straightforward race, there's all of these outside political advertisers running ads that, as WESA puts it, depict Deluzio as a subversive college professor and Schaefer as an out-of-touch millionaire who spent who's earned a fortune in China. Uh, which I think I think it just signals how important and competitive this race is. Like we have we don't know who's going to win um, if people are pouring this much money into these ads. Mm-hmm. Another I don't know if you guys have been bombarded by these ads too, but we now have the case of the two Mike Doyles, or as you know Elizabeth recently put, two Mikes, two Furious which I love. Um, (laughs) Yeah, we talked about this briefly in a Friday News Roundup, but this is the race to replace Congressman Mike Doyle, a Democrat who served for decades, and he's retiring. And the race between Republican Mike Doyle and Democrat Summer Lee is what is going to be on your ballot. So there's been this scramble to make sure voters understand, you know, the Mike Doyle on their ballots is not the Mike Doyle that we once knew. 
Election alert. Democrat Mike Doyle is not on the ballot. A different Republican Mike Doyle is. I am a very conservative. And I've been seeing, yeah, I've been seeing like a lot of ads from Summer Lee's campaign targeted at clearing up this confusion because that really is something that could trip people up, you know, if they don't know. And I feel like, to be honest with you, that's like one of those things they bank on you not knowing. That's such an easy mistake to make if, you know, you think you're voting for the person you've been advantage. voting for. Yeah, for 30 years, like. For, yeah, decades. Right. It literally as long as I could vote, he's been on my ballot. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the like double Mike Doyles is a big part of what makes this race interesting, but mm-hmm. That's not the only reason it's kind of noteworthy. Um, You know, Summer Lee is this really progressive candidate. She was the first black woman from our region who was elected to state legislature back in 2018. Um, And she'd be the first black woman in the state elected to Congress if she wins this race. Um, You know, her priorities are economic, racial and environmental justice. She wants to pass the Green New Deal, Medicare for all, things like that. So she's part of this, you know, wave of progressive candidates who Mm -hmm. are really trying to move the Democratic Party in a more progressive direction. Yeah. And uh, the progressives have been backing her. You know, just yesterday we had Senator Bernie Sanders was here supporting Summer Lee. And so, you know, she, she's got the support of a lot of uh, young people and, mm-hmm. and you know, people, I guess, that are really looking to make very effective change. Yeah. And then, you know, on the other side, you've got the right Mike Doyle as he, um, <laughs> you know, credit where credit's due. <laughs> That's a clever campaign. It is, it is clever. That is clever. To be honest, like to bank on the the, the same name thing. Yeah. Smart tactic. He's a longtime insurance industry exec. He's the president of Plum Borough Council. Um, and, you know, he's basically Summer Lee's opposite. He thinks mm. the Green New Deal is going to ruin our region, um, even says on his website that energy independence is national security. Um, he's really focused on securing the border. He supports a federal abortion ban. So not in line with the OG Mike Doyle. <laughs> Nope. Um, And this district is typically blue, but this race could be tighter than expected, you know, both because of the name confusion and also because of redistricting. Like, you know, District 12 includes uh, Pittsburgh, a bunch of Allegheny County suburbs, but also now part of Westmoreland County, which is more conservative. Um, And, you know, the other factor here is that this pro-Israel super PAC is uh, planning to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on ads to defeat Lee, presenting her as radical, which, you know, they've they've spent uh, a lot of money on her before. Yeah. Yeah. They tried this in the primary. They, you know, spent like a couple million dollars um, attacking her when she was running against Steve Irwin. And it didn't work then, but we'll see what happens this time around. The show today is brought to you by an incredible local resource, AIDS Free Pittsburgh, and their pledge to end the HIV AIDS epidemic in Allegheny County by 2030. If that is a cause that is close to your heart, make sure you're around for their biggest event of the summer, the sixth annual Too Hot for July. It is a party, but it is also a chance to get confidential HIV and STI testing for free plus info on the incredible preventative medicines we have now to keep yins happy, healthy, and feeling your most confident out on the town. So come on out to Allegheny Commons East Park on Thursday, May 30th. 
Yes, July is in the name, but the event is in May. Don't get confused. May 30th from 4 to 10 p.m. There will be DJ sets, a health fair and marketplace, a ballroom inspired dance battle, cash bar, food trucks, and more. Plus a performance by Tony Award winner Alex Newell, a.k.a. Unique from Glee. This is all thanks to True Tea Pittsburgh and so many folks doing the good work out here in the community. So do not miss out. Learn more at TooHotForJuly.com. So, Elizabeth, we also get a chance to lay down the law, not just who writes it, right? Yes. Um, this election, <laughs> there is one proposed amendment that we'll see on the ballot, uh, which will allow us to, you know, make some rules, uh, which basically, if it passes, would let members of county council run for another position without resigning first from their position with the council. Why do they have to resign from their, their seat in the first place? So it seems like the intent of this resigning rule was to prevent people from, you know, using uh, county council as like a quick springboard onto bigger and better and loftier political positions. Um, you know, be on the council for a week, put it on your resume and apply elsewhere. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that makes sense. I, I was also thinking maybe like campaigning is such a huge time commitment that you wouldn't want, you know, council members off on the campaign trail, um, spread really thin and, mm. and not able to get their work done. Yeah, I mean, certainly the position is only part time. So the people who are in favor of the amendment point out that, you know, in theory, because we haven't seen this in practice, uh, county council members could do both. But that was also like a concern that, you know, some of the detractors from this amendment pointed out. So you're not alone in that, Mallory. Uh, mm. But that's kind of more up for debate. Because, you know, the reality that politicians tend to be ambitious, I feel like, you know, that can't be questioned. But some people honestly don't think that's a bad thing. What's that mean? I mean, well, people who are in favor of the amendment, and I should point out that it was cited in like a government commission review in 2016 that recommended the rule change, hmm. um, that this like reason was cited, said that we want the most experienced, most ambitious, best county council members as possible and the thing about good people is that they might want to move up in the world. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so it might be better that we allow and encourage them to stay on the council than, you know, have them resign because of their ambition. Um, and the other thing that these people often point out is that there's a lot of overlap and expertise needed for the positions in local and regional government. So it's better to, you know, have people who have that knowledge running for any position, not just county council. So good arguments all around. It's really up to each voter to decide what they personally value more. Yeah. So everyone in Allegheny County will vote on that amendment, but then Wilkinsburg voters have one more question on their ballot. Yeah, it's part of this ongoing saga about mm. who will govern Wilkinsburg <laughs> and how. Yeah, never ending. I'm from Wilkinsburg, and I know a lot of residents who have signs in their front yards against annexing Wilkinsburg into Pittsburgh. So is that what, what this is about? Is it, this what's going to be on the ballot? Yeah, so this is essentially an alternative to annexation. Um, oh. Wilkinsburg residents will be voting on whether to create this seven-member committee to study whether the borough should create a home rule charter, um, which would essentially give Wilkinsburg the power to restructure their form of government and adjust tax laws, you know, essentially have some more local control. Um, and basically, the committee would spend a little over a year evaluating how Wilkinsburg's governed right now and then make a recommendation which voters could approve in a future election. So people who oppose annexation might want to vote yes on this, 
Right. You know, some of the people who support this referendum say it's like separate from the annexation process. It's really just an opportunity to study how things are working right now. And there's no foregone conclusion about what the committee will recommend. They might not end up proposing a home rule charter, which would basically, you know, if you went the home rule charter direction, that kind of puts an end to this um, potential merger between Pittsburgh and Wilkinsburg. Right. Um, but, you know, the studies being promoted by Wilkinsburg Future, a group that opposes annexation and pro-annexation groups are urging residents to vote no. Um, one of the groups calls this a blatant attempt to stop Wilkinsburg's merger with Pittsburgh. Mm. And, and just to back up briefly, um, this whole move for annexation, like people who are in favor of it say that annexing Wilkinsburg um, into the city would help it remain above 300,000 residents, which is like the threshold to qualify for certain federal grants. So, you know, they would be eligible for more money. It would lower property taxes and also just kind of help with um, overall development in Wilkinsburg. And residents who are against it, I mean, it's kind of like the same thing, obviously, but just flip. So the one thing is that a lot of those residents are now, you know, Black residents. They don't want to see gentrification in the borough. Um, mm -hmm. It is great mm -hmm. to lower the property taxes. Wilkinsburg has actually some of the highest property taxes in the county. Um, yeah. But Wilkinsburg is in this position that it's in right now because of white flight during the 60s. As, as you know, Black families started to move in, white families started to move out. So it would make it part of the city. It's great that the taxes would drop. It would drive up the cost of housing. Um, once again, basically, you know, kind of displacing Black residents, more likely pushing them further into areas like Penn Hills, where a lot of them have been displaced from neighborhoods like East Liberty, Garfield, you know. Mm, yeah. Mar Morgan, I know that you actually talked to Wilkinsburg's mayor about annexation, I mean, all the way back in January. So we'll right. drop that in the show notes for, for folks who want to learn a little bit more about the annexation process. But that whole movement actually got like a pretty big blow recently. Right. Yeah. Without going like too deep into it, a judge ruled that this annexation law proponents were trying to use, like the law that they were using to try to annex uh, Wilkinsburg into Pittsburgh, is invalid. So now both Wilkinsburg and Pittsburgh voters would have to approve annexation, which, you know, doesn't seem super likely. Yeah, so the proponents of annexation, they could appeal that decision. Um, they could try to go forward with this new process where it's on the ballot for both Wilkinsburg and Pittsburgh voters. But in the meantime, on November 8th, there's going to be this referendum about, um, you know, studying whether to have a home rule charter, um, which would be, you know, a different direction to go in than annexation altogether. Um, and if you want to learn more about that, we're going to link to a story in Public Source that really goes in depth into all of this. Okay, well, lots to consider between now and tomorrow. I know we'll be up late on election night following the results, eating our election night pizza. Uh, and we'll bring you whatever results we have for Wednesday's show. So until then, good luck at the polls, everybody. Before we let you go, here are a few tips to make your trip to the ballot box as easy as possible if you're planning to vote in person. Tip number one, make sure you're registered to vote and that you know where your polling place is. They do get moved around sometimes and you don't want to show up at the wrong address when democracy is on the line. We'll put a link in our show notes so that you can use it to check your status. 
Tip number two, do your research. Make sure you know what district you're in because some lines got redrawn recently and take a look at your sample ballot so you know what to expect. We'll include some links to help you find your district and a sample ballot. And our final tip, make sure you bring a form of ID with you and set aside some time to get to the polls, maybe during a lunch break or before work. They're open from 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. And as long as you are in line by eight, you are allowed to vote. That's all for today here on CityCast Pittsburgh. If you enjoyed the show and you enjoy the democratic process, why not give us a rating, leave us a review, and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city, so we'll see you then. I had a street hot dog yesterday for lunch, so I need to make better decisions. <laughs>